This is Think Sustainability, where we look at practical solutions for a better planet. I'm Lawrence Bull. If you're anything like me, you've had an ad jingle in your head for a decade or two or three. Here's mine. A little bit of rhythm goes a long, long way. Mother Nature is choking on it every day. You gotta do the right thing. It's an obligation. And your planet will thank you for your cooperation. And it worked. I haven't littered since the 90s. In this episode, we'll listen to some of the best and worst ads from recent history. This, of course, is a podcast about environmental and social issues, so we'll be taking a listen to ads that have made a positive difference and others that may have missed the mark. My guest is an academic, teacher, and PhD student who studies how people make ethical, pro-social decisions and how we might persuade them to make better ones. I'm Amy Smith. I am a PhD student and a sessional academic in the marketing discipline group at the University of Technology, Sydney in the business school. Amy wanted to do the right thing by helping pro-social ad campaigns, which are often run on small budgets. She wanted to answer a relatively simple question. How can we use ads to make people behave better? Say you want people to throw their rubbish in the bin. How do you phrase that? Is do the right thing the best way? She narrowed her focus down to two kinds of messages used in ads, norms and consequences. Norms are like orders we give to people to fit in. Do the right thing, bin your butts, or don't be a tosser. The message is, everybody knows this is the right thing to do, so just do it. Consequences are where we tell people how their actions will affect themselves or others. Stop it or cop it, or arrive alive. We started to find that there was just no kind of clear direction with which one was more effective than the other, when they work, when they don't. This is in advertising. They had no definitive answers as to whether it's better to tell somebody to do something or to explain the consequences yeah. of whether they do something. And yeah. they didn't know. I mean, it just kind of boggles my mind because yeah, there's like billions and billions of dollars in this industry right and ads cost squillions and ad space is i mean this is a massive massive industry and they're kind of throwing their money into this dark hole yeah you have all these studies that say one thing and all these studies saying another thing and you kind of need to dig into the data and you need to find out what contextually is happening here so that's what we decided to do. We decided to put together all these different, you know, experimental studies and a little bit of survey research. And we just kind of looked at which one was more effective than the other. And we generally found that individuals overall tend to be more influenced by what is right and wrong. So this means a message should work if it communicates something like, don't drink and drive because it's the wrong thing to do. However, we also found that there's a massive element of social desirability bias in that. So when the behaviour is very, very socially desirable or consumers, participants are aware of that, obviously they're more influenced by the moral value of the issue. If you obviously communicate the inherent social norm, let's say, associated with that behaviour, then telling them what is right or wrong is going to be more effective. Okay, so an even better message might be, don't drink and drive because it's wrong and everybody knows it. Or, as ads in South Australia put it recently, drink driver, selfish prick. And we found when it comes to consequences, 
telling people what is actually going to happen to them in these studies. It's really, really, it's a lot less effective overall. A less compelling message might be, if you break the road rules, you might be penalised. Or, as New South Wales police puts it, stop it or cop it. So telling people this is the social norm is generally very effective, you said. But only if they would identify it as an actual social norm that mm-hmm. they can identify around them. If it's very socially desirable, like, the behaviour itself. Right. Everyone will like and respect you if you do this. And so this, well, that's this product... that's consequential, isn't it? Right. Like, oh, yeah, indirectly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. All right. Just do the do the thing, you know, it's the thing to do. Do it. Yeah. That's that's what you're saying. And that's very effective as long as they can identify it as as long as it rings true to them. Yeah. However, we found one really interesting context where it is amazingly effective. Hmm. And that was with environmental communication. Hmm. That's weird. Why is it different when it comes to environmental issues? Because they're inherently consequential. Mm hmm. What about a campaign like Do the Right Thing? I mean, that is just a directive, just a norm, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we know the right thing is to throw rubbish in the bin, so mm-hmm. do it. You're saying that's less effective than it would be if we were told what would happen if the rubbish were exactly. thrown in the bin? All right. Yeah. Because it's inherently consequential. So what's an example of something that's not inherently consequential? If we go back to the kind of philosophy textbooks and we think about the environment not being something that, you know, is like inherently installed in like our morals and values. It's kind of a phenomenon that's arisen, especially in the last century, people starting to care a lot more for the environmental impact. And it's more of a duty that we have to each other who as a result is quite inherently consequential, right? Like taking care of our planet for each other. Whereas we don't have as many embedded norms as we do when it comes to more human issues. So we think about it. From the minute that we are born, we're told that we don't lie, we don't cheat, we don't behave in certain ways, especially towards other humans. Whereas those for the environment aren't necessarily as embedded in us. Mm -hmm. That's my theory as to where this result comes from. Is that for us in modern society, it feels like a newer concept. Yeah, yeah. Like our grandparents' generation weren't thinking about the natural environment so much. But yeah, I I think it's something that's maybe not fully innate to us. Mm. Or maybe Uh, not in the West. I think there might be some cultures that are a little bit more in touch with the environment and respectful of the land. mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it would have been a very human issue, I think, but... It will increasingly you know, become one. I and, it, think. and it will be. It will be again. Yeah, exactly. I think um, maybe the future generations, maybe the results will change if we do the study in mm, like 40 years' time. We've got a new generation of citizens mm, that are raised with this kind of inherent moral value if we take care of our environment. Yeah, that's interesting. It isn't intrinsically instilled in us. We're, we have to kind of relearn to respect our environment and, and learn how to care for it. Perhaps, yeah, in future generations, that'll just be obvious. It's mm-hmm. like, well, obviously, that's the right thing to do. And do the right thing will be the, the campaign slogan again, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be back. It'll work. I'll have something new then. It's completely grounded <laughs> right, in consequentialism. Yeah, true. All right. But nowadays, we're starting to see this real shift, especially well, in research and in practice, towards ethical behaviour ethical consumption and it's something that us as citizens are becoming more increasingly concerned about so if anything it's really beneficial 
we think, for governments and non-for-profits to understand here. What does a good ad sound like to you? When you hear or see an ad that you think this is going to work, let's say in the environmental space, what does that look or sound like to you? I'm a bit of a sucker for the shock advertising. It always grabs attention, especially where environmental issues are concerned. And I think seeing the devastation of people's actions and people being able to look and explore those, it hits a lot harder than giving people facts and information at face value. I think, unfortunately, the negativity works quite well there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see all those pictures of all the stuff that gets wound up on the beach, for example. And you kind of think, oh, what is my part to play in that? Mm-hmm. I, I'll play you an ad. I found a whole bunch of radio ads many i think won awards and things but that doesn't mean they're effective i have no idea how effective they were (laughs) let's Uh, judge them together (laughs) yeah so here's one what you are hearing isn't a fire siren It's a real recording of an Australian magpie's chirp, known for its incredible ability to learn and mimic the sounds that surround it. In 2019 alone, over 4.5 million bushfires ravaged all wildlife in their path. Nature is calling for help. Join the cause. WWF. So that was a shock advertising one. Yeah. No, that definitely is. That's a very good example of what I was referring to. It's very effective. I'd say the problem problem that always comes with these kind of ads is the unfortunate attention economy and the fact that, you know, you have about eight seconds to grab somebody's attention. But I guess maybe in a radio context, people are already listening, so... As long as they don't change the station. Yeah, as long yeah. as that... Does that happen a lot? Yeah, a lot. Oh. Especially now, I think, because people listen in their cars and they have, you know, the button on the steering wheel so they can just change it in a second if they get it bored at all. Oh, annoying. <laughs> yeah, so. But hopefully they wouldn't skip that one. I liked that one. I like that one. That's really um, cool. In 1982, popular toothpaste brand Colgate decided to extend its product range and created the Colgate Frozen Beef Lasagna. Was it a spearmint-flavoured lasagna that left customers with a minty aftertaste? Or did it improve dental hygiene and reduce the need to floss? No. It was just a regular frozen beef lasagna. From Colgate. After three months, the Colgate beef lasagna ceased production and 70,000 lasagnas were recalled and destroyed. The world's most famous toothpaste brand never made another savoury meal again. When you make a mess, you face up to it. So why don't we face up to our household mess? And stop sending 20 million tonnes of waste to landfill. To find out how, visit faceyourwaste.com. Oh, I'm not as sure. Mm. What did you think? I was like, where is this going? Is this an ad for Colgate? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking that just now. As, like, It's very high concept and it's quite complex. There was a lot of information. Yeah. And numbers and like, oh, there's this much money and they lost money and they made money. It's this brand, but it's also lasagna. Yeah, it's a lot of information to absorb in 45 seconds when you're probably not really that interested or paying attention. Oh, right? I can imagine what that product must have been like. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> it would have been terrible. Yeah, exactly. 
I like the idea that it speaks to an example of innovation gone wrong and this kind of, um, especially nowadays, I'm not sure, when was this ad? 2018. 2018. Yeah, so some teaching yesterday, actually, some of my first years about like product life cycles getting a lot shorter. A lot of products have to leave the market quicker because we've got hyper consumerism, we've got technological advances, and we have all these companies that I guess are so so eager to get new products out and innovate so much. But if it, it's not done properly and if there's no research done behind the product, which it sounds like has happened here, then it just ends up in landfill and it's mm. just a, a cycle, isn't it? Mm. Like, and, and the interesting thing about that is when we talk about environmental damage, we often quite see it, the onus often put on the consumer. There's a term for it. I think it's called consumer responsibility or responsibilitization when actually we start to see a lot of the actual problem comes from big companies. Yeah, the consumer didn't make 80,000 lasagnas. Yeah, and, and yeah. did the consumer ask for that? Very, mm. very unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> I think I want my breath to not smell like lasagna. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that's a very interesting approach and actually mm. like on hindsight and after discussion, I, I quite like that the onus isn't necessarily fully put on the consumer mm. there. So I actually quite like that in hindsight. Yeah. I guess it kind of comes down to, for me, that it's like you said, that people need to kind of be educated about the consequences of their environmental actions. And that inherently is difficult, I think, in advertising because advertising's only got a very short chance to educate people who don't want to be educated. Like, people don't want to listen to ads. They're not interested no, not in learning anymore, anything. especially. No, forget it. So but it's a tough uphill battle, I think. It is. And we've got these, like, because we're bombarded with them constantly, got these perception filters that are just so, so high. I have a, a nearly three-year-old niece, and she'll go on YouTube and... She'll be sat there and even she knows to sit there and press skip ad. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you you go you can <laughs> we can get all these analytics and all this information about how many people have viewed it. And now we're starting to see this kind of phenomenon of are they actually watching it mm. and checking how much we engage all the time as well, because just views are no longer really enough mm. anymore. Yeah. Yeah, true. You got what well, I think <laughs> they say it's eight seconds God, if you're lucky. Yeah. And I think that's probably getting worse and worse. There was an ad that was very unpopular. Oh. Uh, Why? Was it scandalous? Or Yeah, it was kind of... Where did I put it? Did you have fun looking for these ads? Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> so fun, isn't it? <laughs> it was fun, yeah. <laughs> this is the funnest part of the research. Yeah. We go and we look away and we're like, oh, God, that's so bad. <laughs> yeah. Here, this one did not go down well, but it was definitely going for some kind of... Oh, well, tell me if it's norms or consequences. I promised you my heart. I've given it away. In time, this family will be filled with loss, but I won't care because I'll be gone. It's not just my heart I don't care about. It's yours. This one is actually a video, so at this point there's some text that says heart disease kills an Australian every 28 minutes. What are you really saying if you don't get a heart health check? Heart Foundation. Visit your GP today. I can see yeah. why that didn't go down very well. <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
so that made me think of what you said before about that people need to identify the norms as the accepted norms. Yeah, yeah. And that I think was not an accepted norm, I no, guess. Not that, at all. That if you if you don't look after your heart it means you don't care about your family. <laughs> You need another ad campaign to just counter that first yeah. ad campaign. Yeah, so they pulled this? Yeah, they pulled it very quickly and apologised. Oh, very <laughs> smart. Yeah. I do wonder who sometimes makes these decisions and approves that. Yeah. Do they test these? That's, yeah, exactly. This is the problem, I think, is um, the non-for-profit sector. It's kind of controversial for them to engage in such promotional efforts anyway because they're, for a large part, they are funded by donation. So for a lot of people I've spoken to, and I've not done any research on this, they generally find it to be quite odd or controversial that they do spend so much on ad campaigns. And oh, means that, how, if they didn't, yeah. how would you know about them? Yeah, I remember I worked in Canada as a charity mugger. And What's a charity mugger? You know the people you see out on the street who oh, are the like, fundraisers. oh, can you? Yeah, yeah. Is that what you call that yeah. here? A charity mugger. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I love this country. And it's like <laughs> slang. <laughs> yeah, it's a pejorative term. Oh, it is. Okay. Well, well that makes know. sense, doesn't it? Like. I mean, it sounds pejorative, doesn't it? But I think everyone uses it. Um, so people would ask me all the time, oh, are you getting paid? And I was getting paid because I had to eat. Yeah. And that's how we raised money, mostly for this children's hospital, but other organizations as well. And they didn't like it when we said we got paid because they're like, I want all my money going to the hospital or whatever. And we're like, well, yeah, most of your money does go there, but some of it goes to generating more money mm-hmm. because otherwise like, you wouldn't be paying any money at all because I wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be having this conversation. You wouldn't even find out exactly. about it. But they think it's all right for like McDonald's, but it's not all right for charities somehow people have to do their own research and find out about them themselves and they can't spend any money on marketing they're really stuck between a rock and a hard place i think let's see this one's called a very green campaign. so here's how a radio ad is usually made a script is written the writer and ad execs then get in their cars and drive to the client to present it once approved, about 300 actors will get in their cars and drive to an audition. Then the writer, actors, client and producer will once again get in their cars and drive to the recording. That's over 320 round trips, which even at a conservative 10 miles each way, is 6,400 miles of driving, 320 gallons of gas, almost 10,000 pounds of CO2 emissions for every ad. This is an ad for Global Green's Climate Change Initiative, so we didn't hold any meetings or auditions at all. I am both the writer and the voice talent, and I'm calling this in from home instead of getting in my car and driving to the studio. See, there are lots of things we can all do today to help stop global warming that will save money, create green jobs, and improve our health. Visit globalgreen.org now to see what you can do and how to get involved. I really like that one. Yeah, I like that one too. I think it's very meta. Mm. It's very like, oh, I'm going to tell you how an ad is made mm. <laughs> whilst actually making an ad. Yeah. And it exemplifies what it's trying to do. It's like I'm doing what I'm advocating right now, which is good. Yeah, too so many numbers. Is my I, think that's the po- I think that's I like I know we talked about it before on the previous one, mm. but I think that, that there it's really effective because I think what it's trying to do is it's trying to overload you a little mm. bit. It's trying to make you think, uh, 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 and then the next thing is this is how much it is, and you're like, well, okay. You get to the final number and you think, 
Ooh. Sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> so I like that one. I think that was quite effective. Yeah. I would I would I wouldn't change the radio channel. <laughs> <laughs> this one's called Bin Your Butts. Hi, it's Jill from Lost and Found. Oh, okay. We yep. found it. Oh, the, the cigarette butt, the butt you dropped on Ackland Street in 1998. Yeah, look. Look, I, we I, just I, fished it out of the bay and thought you might like it back. Um, sorry, yeah, I don't they're know. made of this plastic acetate stuff. They last for ages, like up to 12 years. Yeah, I think you've got Most of its poisons have leached out, but it's still intact. When can you pick it up? Yeah, I, I really don't be a tosser. Bin your butts. Authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne. You know, when we were talking about how um, the Colgate one was really interesting because it was putting the kind of onus on the organisation, mm. that's just done the exact opposite. Mm. Right. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was um, referring to, is we always see it being like, this is what you've done. Mm. And I suppose that's easier to do in media generally and in radio is to f- focus on individuals rather than conglomerates of people. You know, Especially you can in have characters. Like Australia, yeah, where people focus very much on themselves and not mm. really the collective. Let's say, yeah, We're a very individualist country. Yeah, they say the same about the UK. To be fair, like it's a people focus on themselves a bit more, I guess, than their part in the collective. Yeah, we're we're our stories tend to be about individuals. That's true. Yeah, I remember media studies ages ago, learning about how Soviet stories were about the collective like we're all going over here now and we're all fighting (laughs) for this cause right and our stories don't really work like that so much no Um, you remember the one person yeah one person has a big statue somewhere (laughs) and you think okay (laughs) just out of interest did you find any that were funny yeah because i think you do it really really well the kiwis do it really really well oh yeah they do really good <laughs> humor in like um you know non-for-profit and pro-social yeah. communications oh this one's kind of funny introducing shiny plastic choking blocks they're the latest thing for toddlers boys and girls shiny plastic choking blocks come in a variety of eye-catching colors and are perfectly shaped to lodge right inside your child's throat you'll find shiny plastic choking blocks everywhere Inquisitive toddlers need parents and carers who know first aid. Search St John Tiny Tots First Aid and learn the skills to keep children safe. St John, life goes on. I don't know. Was that funny or dark? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm British, so like they kind of confound a little bit. Right. Me. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was funny, but then I'm like, actually, <laughs> am I just, is it funny or am I a bad person? <laughs> am I a bad person? <laughs> the daily questions. Um, what do you think? I mean, that was about. Oh well, no, actually, because it's about consequences. Like your uh, kid will choke. Yes. Right. Hang on. That's a consequence. Okay. Yeah, I, I liked it. Not like I liked the issue itself. I think mean, that's horrible. But I wanted to know what the shiny... Plastic choking blocks yeah, were. I mean, I, I suppose really it was some kind was. of Lego or something. But yeah. that that was for St. John's Ambulance. They just want people not to choke, I guess. They're like, stop calling us after you <laughs> nearly killed your kid. This one was a big campaign a while ago. 2013, it says... Um, Oh, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> Poke a stick at a grizzly bear. 
It's out of date. Use your private parts as piranha bait. Dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. Get your toast out with a fork. Do your own electrical work. Teach yourself how to fly. Eat a two-week-old unrefrigerated pie. Dumb ways to die. Up like a moose during hunting season. Disturb a nest of wasps for no good reason. Stand on the edge of the train station platform. Drive around the boom gates at a level crossing. Run across the tracks between the platforms. They may not rhyme, but they're quite possibly. Be safe around trains. A message from Metro. It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's a really classic. Good. Yeah. It's so good. Obviously, I'm not from here, so I didn't know about this until it made its kind of resurgence on TikTok quite recently. Oh, really? Yeah, it was trending. It was ah. doing very, very well. <laughs> I don't funny. think it was being used in the context it was intended to be. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's it, it's really good. It's really clever and creative. And perfect for audio, being a song. Yeah. Funny, good song. It's... It's a good song, yeah. Yeah, you, you would think, <laughs> I guess it comes on, you think it's an ordinary song and you start hearing the lyrics and, and start listening closely Yeah. because you're like, hang on. And sometimes yeah. you kind of think, oh, actually, what am I, what am I singing about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, See the Smiths inspiration behind that one. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, Amy. Thank you for having me. No problem. That's it for this episode of Think Sustainability. Thank you, Amy Smith, for speaking with me. This series is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio and the University of Technology, Sydney. It's made in Sydney on Gadigal land. You can listen to Think Sustainability wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lawrence Bull. Thanks for listening. <laughs>